Hello and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman and I'm here with my friend, Zach Kamak. Hello, everybody. So today we are doing the second half of our Zendikar Rising set review. Uh, we've got some new legends to talk about, but before we jump into it, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, uh, we're going to start with the new commanders, and then we're going to jump into the main deck cards, and then we're going to talk about our predictions. We're going to look over our predictions for M21. With each set review, we try to predict what cards are most likely to see play in Commander, and we'll we'll grade ourselves, and then we'll throw out our predictions for Zendikar Rising, which I think it's honestly a challenge. But Yeah, I actually agree. I still am not 100% on my picks yet. Yeah, but we'll get into that in a bit. Um, so jumping into the Commanders, and before we get into the new ones, I want to just briefly uh, touch on one of the Commanders we talked about last time, which is Ashaya, Soul of the Wild. So Ashaya, after we recorded, I found out about some really sweet tech, so I definitely want to share that with you all. Um, as you may recall, Ashaya is three green-green for a star-star legendary creature elemental. Ashaya, Soul of the Wild's power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. Non-token creatures you control are forest lands in addition to their other types. So last time we talked about some of the cool tech, but one thing I neglected to mention are creatures that tap to untap lands. So things like Argothian Elder, Lay Weaver, and um, Crozen Restorer, but when they themselves become lands, you can tap, untap themselves, and two other lands or creatures, and generate infinite mana that way. So definitely an important component of any Ashaya build is going to be these guys. I uh, also want to do a quick shout out to Dianea on our Discord server. They mentioned Soul Shatter as a card for Toshiro Umazawa. So um, Toshiro Umazawa is uh, one black black for a 2-2 Samurai with Bushido 1. And uh, has the ability whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard. If that spell would be put in a graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So this is a really great way to get... Um, it's an instant, it's a black instant, so you can get multiple triggers off of this uh, for killing things your opponents control, and then also you can get it back from your grave later on. So that's actually a lot of value in that deck, so did want to say uh, thank you for pointing that out. That's That's some good tech right there. I think those are the only addendums, right? Yeah, I think we can move on to the new legendary creatures. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, we'll start with Cherix, the Raging Isle. Two blue blue for a zero seventeen Levi- Leviathan Crab. <laughs> uh, spells your opponent's cast that target Cherix cost two more to cast, and you can pay three to give Cherix plus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of islands you control. So what are your thoughts on this card? Oh man, I want to like this. I kept falling down these rabbit holes where I'd like find some tech for this and then it wouldn't be tech because like blue doesn't have a lot of tech that cares about big toughnesses. And then I kept being like, oh, you could do things like uh, like twisted image or something. And then it's like, but this kind of hard. Like, do I want to do that? And then if I'm actually activating the ability, I probably have more. Like, it's weird to have a mono blue deck with like three islands in it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like if I am going that route, like... Am I activating the ability or am I just like putting Aether Tunnel on Cherix? Like Cher- Aether Tunnel is plus one plus oh and the creature is unblockable. 
for one in a blue and it's a blue aura like at what point is the tech worse than just like blue voltron stuff mm-hmm. is the question i kept asking myself um but i think this is cool uh this card really made me realize how most of protection from red is just not dying to burn which this guy kind of does mm-hmm. for multiple reasons because it costs two more to target him and also because he's 17 <laughs> <laughs> like he's just never really gonna take damage and die haphazardly mm-hmm. unless something's like literal kill spell hits it i don't know i'm still gonna be thinking about Jerry. I, I swear like i'm gonna be reading a thread and be like oh that's cool and like have totally missed it with this guy yeah i really wish there were more twisted image type effects because it's so close to being uh really yeah. good strategy but there's there's only like it's literally just like twisted image and then merfolk thaumaturgist yeah. and that's kind of it yeah and, and there's some cool things like i was looking at like the path mages type stuff so like writ of passage is an enchantment from original ravnica block it's one blue or just a single blue mana for an enchantment aura uh, as long as the creature has power two or less it's cannot be blocked and then it has forecast, which like you can forecast and do some stuff. It doesn't matter. But like that's a really cheap way to give uh, Cherix like unblockable, like just attack, no blocks declared, flip the power, doesn't matter. But after that, it gets bad. Mm-hmm. Like most of the things in blue that specifically make low toughness creatures unblockable are like at a really bad rate. It's like three mana for a one one with a tap ability. So you have to wait a turn before you can even use it to attack with your Terex and I was like oh why don't I just give it flying or something (laughs) something, anything else so there is cool tech for this deck I'm being I'm being like harsh on this guy because I wanted to play with the giant enemy crab yeah uh man maybe if it was like a slightly broader color identity it Mm -hmm. would work well because like with black you get access to twisted reflection and transmutation yeah or there's some red um power toughness flipping yeah Mm -hmm. like like inside out so there are some pieces of tech that work well with this training grounds is one that comes to mind um because it's a uh because it requires you to pay three mana to activate like paying a single mana for this kind of buff for like plus four minus four or plus five minus five that's actually kind of sweet that's getting into a pretty good rate so that's one direction you can take it um leviathan is actually a a useful creature type for a couple things out there like whelming wave for example will bounce everything except for kraken octopuses leviathans and serpents serpents there we go um so there's a little bit of tribal tribal synergy going on there Uh, also because it has such enormous toughness and it is a mono blue deck engulf the shore seems really good here yeah um so engulf the shore is three and a blue for an instant return all creatures with toughness less than the number of islands you control to their owner's hands so that seems quite good uh with a guy with this this much toughness yeah yeah i agree so there's there's some opportunities there but it yeah it is definitely going to be a challenge to like deal damage with this Voltron commander when he doesn't have evasion and doesn't naturally have any power. He, I mean, notably he's really great in Phoenix. And I think that like any tribal support we get for Cribes or Leviathans in the future will be very good for this guy. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we do get some more of that sea monster love in the next few years, because I think that that will be really good for this deck. All right. uh, Moving on to 
the next legendary creature, and that is Grakma, Skyclave Ravager. One black green for a legendary creature, Hydra Horror. It's a 0-0 zero, zero and enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. Whenever another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, put a plus one plus one counter on Grakma. When Grakma dies, create an XX black and green Hydra creature token, where X is the number of plus one plus one counters on Grakma. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is kind of boring. Um, not super bummed because black green has like an embarrassment of riches when it comes to like commanders and build around commanders, but um, it it does just get one counter. You can kind of use the I think the immediate comparison. It's like a three mana green and black plus one plus one counter commander. So like Rayhan, Last of the Abzan, is a same price for like the same size commander. Uh, Rayhan has partner. And has uh, whenever a creature you control dies with plus one plus one counters on it, you can put the counters on another creature. Um, you don't get a boy when Rayhan dies, but some similar tech works. So, like if you attack with Blade of Cells on Rayhan, then like you get a gigantic one because they're all legendary. They all count all the counters multiple times, so like you can pile all the counters on. That kind of works here somewhat, but not as favorably, where you end up with a bunch of three threes. And your original crack maw is like a little bit bigger. That's fine, you know. Like that could be worse. Yeah, I I agree. I think just the existence of Rayhan makes this guy completely unnecessary. Yeah, because it's a lot of the same tech, and I that's whatever. <laughs> yeah, and also like just the ability to expand into additional colors is huge. So oh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't think crack maw adds a lot to the format. But that's fine. I think we got a lot of hits this set. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, speaking of hits, the, the next card is a pretty big one, I would say. Do you, do you want me to read this guy? Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, so this is uh, Verizal, the split current. Uh, so Verizal is X green-blue for a zero zero serpent. Uh, Verizal enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. Uh, and then whenever you cast a kicked spell, you may remove two plus one plus one counters from Verizal. If you do copy that spell, you may choose new targets for the copy. So this set, they're introducing, um, if you copy a spell that is a permanent, it just, you get a token of that permanent. So this is kind of like a long time coming and kind of interesting technology that they haven't really done before. So uh, when you copy, let's say, a 3-2 that draws you two cards when you kick it, uh, you get a 3-2 and it'll draw two cards because you kicked it, but it was now it's a token. So like stuff like that that's going on. Um, so I actually am very excited for this guy because uh, he lets you kind of do something that feels really broken with kind of this pre-selected pool of cards, like cards being blue and green kicker spells. And you feel like you're doing something really broken, but you're not completely like decimating the game like you normally can in like a blue green deck. Uh, and then his first ability, the one where he enters with counters equal to the mana that you spent on him, works really, really favorably with commander tags. You can do X equals zero and just copy one spell. You could do X equals six and then have him copy like a bunch of spells. Uh, if he dies a bunch of times, you can just always have X equals zero, but you're still going to get that like additional benefit over time as the game goes on uh, where he's just going to cost you more each time. So overall, like I'm, I'm pretty high on this guy. This is kind of like a great design for 
blue green i think this is a really good thing for these colors i'm always excited to see cards that really enable a narrow subset and yeah. kicker is um you know it's normally not a mechanic that works super well in commander um because you can do a lot with your mana in commander yeah. and if you're paying like eight mana for a kick spell you could be paying eight mana for something that wins the game yeah just something that's just good on its face yeah so having a card that like really efficiently subsidizes kicker cards is fantastic and uh i, I like that this is a new archetype for the format yeah i i'm happy it exists and uh happy that i'll get to see it played um we have oh yeah we have some some absolute bangers next yeah these are the ones i'm really excited about um so we'll start with akiri fearless voyager one red white for a three three legendary core warrior whenever you attack a player with one or more equipped creatures draw a card white you may unattach an equipment from a creature you control if you do tap that creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn one thing that's notable about this ability um you can only you can draw one card per player you are attacking. So in a four-player game, you can draw up to three cards off of this ability. Um, I'm really stoked for this commander. Uh, so I really like Sir Gwyn's uh, equip tribal ability. That whenever equipped creature you control attacks, you draw a card and lose one life. But getting that on a commander that costs half as much is really really appealing. And I love that Akiri also has that built-in wrath protection because that's definitely something you worry about when you're investing like a creature card and an equipment card and the mana to like play and equip. Uh, it's great to not have that so easily undone by mass removal. I also like honestly really like the flavor of that too. It's like, oh, I'm going to give up this hook to protect myself. Like, like that was kind of... I think a cool little throw in too. Mm -hmm. So where it's, it's the play is good, but also like I can kind of see what they're going for with that. So I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Cause a lot of what I have to say about Akiri is like similar to when we did the build for Sir Gwyn. Uh, I think that things to look out for are equipment that naturally make their own creatures. So for example, there was that cycle in M20 with like ancestral blade or with mask of immolation where they made their own creatures and it came equipped to them. There's also things like living weapon work pretty well. Basically you want to look for ways to, to cheat that requirement that you have a creature and an equipment attached to it. There's other things that work well are like creatures that go and search out equipment like Stoneforge mystic or uh, relic seeker. And then also equipment that make creatures like captain's claws. So those are all some good ways to like, be efficient in how you're investing your cards onto the board and getting these card generating engines up and running as quickly and efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I, I really do like that we're expanding Boros with Akiri too. So that's great. Um, I'm, I'm going to stop complaining if we get like one more of these guys. <laughs> Just no, I'm, I'm, they, they've been actively listening to the community and I'm really happy about that think if we want to get into the next guy this is another case where i think they finally listened to the community somewhat do you want to do you want to get into him sure uh so this is one of the precon commanders it is anawan the ruin thief two blue black for a two four legendary vampire rogue other rogues you control get plus and plus one whenever one or more rogues you control whenever one or more rogues you control deal combat damage to a player 
That player mills a card for each one damage dealt to them. If the player mills at least one creature card this way, you draw a card. So, uh, like Akiri, there is a cap on how many cards you can draw off this. You can essentially draw, draw one card per player who was dealt combat damage by a rogue and milled a creature card as a result. Yeah, many hoops, but uh, kind of adds up to this is good. Yeah. Good and fair. Uh, so I, I built this deck. I've had the opportunity to play test with a little bit. There are some definite downsides, which is that you're running a lot of very bad rogues. Uh, it's, it is a little bit underwhelming when your opponents are, are casting things like Avengers and a car and your hand is full of like slither blades. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really funny, <laughs> but, but there is a benefit to just having this, like all these cheap guys in that your early game is really, really consistent. So you're able to pretty easily curve like one, two, three, and then your commander, and then probably draw a card or maybe more off of that first attack. And then there's a lot of things that synergize really well with this play style. So for example, like there are all the um, coastal piracy type effects, Biden of Thassa, uh, reconnaissance mission. Those work really well when you have all these cheap evasive dudes filling the board. Um, and then uh, there are some really good time warp effects in these colors. And yeah. that's gonna, they, it kind of like feeds into that. Cause once you have this evasive team drawing you cards every turn, you can you're more likely to draw into more time warps and keep it going yeah this i mean something that i kind of felt like looking at anawan was that it's a lot more fair version of uh edric Mm -hmm. um or uh endric sorry no it was edric endric is the thralls um just because like blue green is a lot more busted um and this like the card draw hoop is a hoop there's going to be times that you hit someone with rogues and they don't mill a creature and you don't draw a card so it's going to be um not as likely that you just like flood the board with slither blades drop and one and no one can stop you anymore which is honestly great like that's kind of i i like when we get decks like this because it does make you actually actively think about like well okay like I have these. I might not draw a card off this guy this turn. I have to do this. Like it makes you play around the board. It makes you play with people. It makes you like make deals. Uh, I like N one a lot. Mm-hmm. They've been having. I mean, it, it's noticeable in part because we just went from Akiri to Anawan, but it seems like there's been a lot of commanders lately that reward you for spreading the love. Yeah, and I think that's good design. I think it yes. really sucks to get focused by one person and then oh, I'm out of the game and got to wait an hour for the game to to complete. Yeah, in a non podcast form, that's like something that I've like that I've wanted to explore is like aggro can kind of be a little bit uh, antisocial sometimes, just because like in order to play it properly, you just kind of have to target someone, and if you're playing, especially people who uh aren't used to you like who don't know who you are and stuff like that that can feel like an like well it is an attack but like a literal like personal attack so it is i do actually very much like these commanders we've seen like we talked about the omnath last time which is like spread the love on each turn and one here akiri here uh even like calamax it's like you get an extra spell but one mm-hmm. like on each turn like i i do like that they've been designing these kind of commanders because it kind of strays away from the uh brawl fiasco that we mm-hmm. had with Eldraine and uh kind of steers the format more towards fun play pattern uh you still feel like you're doing something 
and uh, no one is super mad because your commander was just kind of an absurd pile of value. Yeah. So uh, I think at the end of this episode, I think we might do like a a more high level look at these precons decks. But for now, we're going to move on to the next. Yeah, not too much more. Yeah. Uh, for now, we're going to move on to the final commander, also a precon commander, and it is Obun Moldaya Ancestor. One red, green, white for a 3-3 legendary elf spirit. At the beginning of combat on your turn, up to one target land you control becomes an XX elemental creature with trample and haste until end of turn, where X is Obun's power. It's still a land. It also has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. What do you think about this guy? Um, so, uh, this is my idea for this guy is, oh, I guess let me pose this question. Do you think this guy would be a good Naya plus one plus one commander? Like you run all the creatures that add counters and then you have this guy and then you passively are getting your like land guy every turn. That's, that's not a bad question. Um, I think the the only problem is that Marath already exists. Yeah. And and Marath has like that combo potential with the counters, whereas this guy is significant is kind of just fair. Yeah, because that's the only other thing I think I I have thought about with this guy that's a little bit uh quote busted is just that uh manlands. You like animate the manland, target it with Obun, it becomes an XX big. Mm-hmm. And you can do it. Um, I think you talked about an ink moth, like hitting him with an ink moth that becomes, I don't, I don't know, like six, six, eight, eight, ten, ten, however big Obun is. Overall, he's fair, very fair, mm-hmm. <laughs> is how I would say that. Too fair, one might say. Yeah, one might say, one might say, very uh, a little bit on the too fair side. So Anawan didn't really have anything to compare to. So like this is okay, sweet. This is the only and best rogue commander we've ever gotten. Uh, But Obun kind of falls flat for me because we've gotten other landfall commanders that are just much, much better than him. Yeah, that's true. And I do want to say for listeners, we, we um, have seen these cards the previous week. We, we saw the unofficial leaks, but we didn't want to, we just wanted to wait till it was official to talk about them. So, um, now here it is here they are you know about them we know about them legally uh no fbi agents are going to come to our houses and and uh take us out in the night um and uh yeah i think it is interesting that they saved these two commanders for the precons mm-hmm. um and i think at the end we should talk a little bit about the precons yeah just, definitely just um but now we're in the main deck cards do you want to sure uh, to this it? first one is felidar retreat it is three and a white for an enchantment Landfall, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Create a 2-2 white cat beast creature token, or put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. Um, I like this card a lot. Yeah, this card is great. So there was the that meme, the like you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about, mm-hmm. with just retreat to a Maria, which is also four mana, also an enchantment, also has a landfall trigger. And you either get a one-one core uh, core warrior, or is it core, core soldier? Ally. Oh, you you either get a one-one core ally, or your creatures get plus one plus one until end of turn. Um, a lot worse, and yet still played in a lot of decks. Um, it's still played in like about two thousand decks, um, which 
is more than a lot of those uncommon land, like cycle got. Mm-hmm. I think Retreat to Coral Home is the only one that got more, and that's simply because it is a combo piece. Yeah. Um, and this is great. Like I, you could put this in a white deck and be happy without like trying to farm the landfall triggers. But I think as soon as you get white green, like white X, anything if it's taken off, you just kind of always going to have an army, and that's great. Yeah, I, I like this card a lot. Uh, not only would I happily run it in like a white landfall deck, like I guess Obun. Yeah. Um, but also I would run this in like a cat deck. I would run yeah. this in a plus one plus one counter deck. There's this has a lot of um, a lot of handles to to yeah. hold on to. Mm-hmm. If we ever get a beast deck, then like a white Naya beast deck or something like that that goes in there oh, like for sure it goes in yeah it has a lot of handholds which is wonderful i love cards like this so uh yeah i'm i'm high on this card mm-hmm. all right this next one is undo inversion it is six white white for a sorcery destroy all non-land permanence but it's got another side and you can always just play it as a land that enters the battlefield tapped and taps for white yeah so you might think eight man is a lot to blow everything up and you're right Mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean some decks don't want that like yeah avison <laughs> the first avison 1.0 yeah so avison uh that the indestructible granting avison um gerard weatherlight captain who can sort of sort, sort of like faith's reward all your, your stuff back yeah um noyandar who makes who has like all your lands become big beefy boys mm-hmm uh they're all pretty happy to run this type of effect yeah pretty much any like white commander that gives your stuff indestructible or like protects your stuff and we're gonna see more over time that like why not run this in some ways Mm -hmm. like it's one of those lands so most of the time i would imagine you play it as a as a land and then sometimes uh it'll just be one-sided annihilation yeah so that that this card looks fine yeah uh all right moving on to another card this is a new card that is coming in the pre-cons it is trove warden two white white for a three four cat beast it has vigilance landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control exile target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard when trove warden dies put each permanent card exiled with it onto the battlefield under the control of that card's owner so can I can I say one thing? You uh, had a note about this that it compares unfavorably to Sun Titan, and like you're completely right. And I just I was amazed because I my brain didn't even let me compare the two because you're so right. About <laughs> that. Um, but that being said, um, I do actually like this card a lot. I think like we just got Idol of Endurance, and I tried to play that card in some like white kind of lower to the ground list and uh it was not as it was fine is how i would say it so idol of endurance was from m21 it's an artifact it costs two and a white when it enters the battlefield you can exile all creature cards from your graveyard with cmc three or less until it leaves the battlefield and then it has one white tap until end of turn you may cast a creature spell from among the cards exiled with it so it kind of lets you rebuy your little guys from the graveyard again uh there's kind of no risk because if it dies they just go back to their graveyard and trove warden really reminds me a lot of that too mm-hmm. where you can play your trove warden he's like a decent sized body is vigilance whatever 
you can start exiling your permanents. If he's in a white landfall deck, you're getting a lot of things back. You're getting back your wood elves or your Draga tree speakers or whatever you were, whatever died. And then you can sack him or uh, whatever and just get them all back. And that's, that's great. Yeah, I... I just wish that Wizards was a bit less conservative with how they use this ability. Oh, yeah. Like, clearly they are happy with the power level of Sun Titan. Okay, great. I mean, because yeah. they reprint it in so many yeah, precons. so many. Um, but I think we could get that type of ability, like, at a lower rate or make it so that, or maybe, like, a one-shot mass reanimation of, CM, of like, permanents with CMC3 or less. Yeah, but the type of things we've been seeing, like Savine's reclamation, I don't think that saw very high adoption. No. Idol of Endurance is also like very conservative in yeah. the design, and I think this is as well. Because yes, it it is like one shot, bring a whole bunch of things back, but it requires so much build around in order to make it work. Yes. It reminds me of um, God. What's that one? Pegasus Boreal Charger from a couple years back. It's like okay, this is what. Um, white ramp looks like <laughs> Ooh, it's like a 2-1 flyer for three right boreas charger boreas charger uh yeah it's a 2-1 flyer for three like for two and a white when it and when it leaves the battlefield choose an opponent who controls more lands than you search your library for a number of planes cards equal to the difference and reveal them put one of them onto the battlefield tapped and the rest into your hand then shuffle your library like they they are recognizing this is an area white could expand into but they're doing it at such a low, weak rate, and I wish they would just pump the. I wish they would like pump the gas a little bit. Yeah, and that was in a commander set too, so yeah. it's like not even really an excuse for like standard balance or something. Yeah, so like Boris, we got first we got Boreas Charger, then we got um, Verge Rangers, and now with this upcoming Commander Legends, we're getting Keeper of the Accord. So, and I think Keeper is the first one that like is really going to hit on power level so i'm hoping that uh this that they're moving in that same direction with trove warden they're they they know like where the where the like right power level is and they are like trying to build up to that yeah i think they're like tentatively like they work so far ahead what i think is happening is that like they're trying to catch something so they put something really weak in see how it affects the format, knowing something slightly stronger is coming mm -hmm. so that when something maybe crosses the line, they can be like, oh, no, 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 and like change the thing that's more yeah. in the future. It, it just seems like they're playing chicken. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, necessarily. I think like that's like, I think their perception, just because they can see everything is like, oh, no, it'll get better. It's going to change. Like I can see how it's going to change. But us who are completely in the dark sitting here like, trying to do these things unable to do these things like it it feels a lot worse and it feels like it's forever mm -hmm. like you get your boreas charger and you're like cool one card to maybe supplement my mono white decks <laughs> and, yeah and that's it, one of them okay so yeah i i agree they could pump up the value a little bit oh just another note about trove warden is that it is only in the commander deck it is not in the set as uh at large mm -hmm. so this will not be in the booster packs all right, moving on to blue cards. This, so the first one is Glass Pool Mimic, two and a blue for a zero zero shapeshifter rogue. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature you control, except it's a shapeshifter rogue in addition to its other types. You can also play it face down, 
play, well, play the other side as a land, which enters the battlefield, taps, and taps for a, for a blue. So I don't think the rogue deck is super interested in this effect. No, yeah, I, I don't think this is like a rogue card, even though it stays a rogue. Yeah, just because most of the rogues you're running, like A, are cheaper, don't necessarily get better in multiples. Um, I don't really want to pay three mana for my Slither Blade. So I don't think it goes, I don't think that rogue really matters except potentially for like Linvala 3.0. Yeah, and party. So yeah. like you can copy your warrior, still have a rogue and limited, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but I I do like this card a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I I really liked Mirror Image. I yeah. wanted it to be a little bit better, and I think this will get there. Just the opportunity to play this as a land, so it's never a dead card. You're never in a situation where oh, I have no creatures on the battlefield. What do I do with this? Well, okay. Yeah, now it's a land drop. Yeah. No, that was actually my thought when I saw this too. I'm like, okay, this works with a lot of like good white reanimation engines because it's three CMC mm-hmm. or or less. And um, yeah, you can get it back with your Trove Warden. Yep, <laughs> get it back. Um, and uh, I just thought it was interesting because Mirror Image was an uncommon. So, like, Mirror Image, but the backside is a land being a rare makes a lot more sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of the power level they're trying to hit at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think this is cool. I think people will play this and be happy. I don't know. Did, did we mention all the places to play it? Well, there's there's one deck in particular that's really excited for it. I, I have a list that uses like white power based reanimation and white CMC based reanimation with clones because there's just a lot of co- combo potential there. Like if you have a clone and a um, and you clone a Revelark and you sacrifice that clone, it can bring itself back. That kind of stuff. So I think it's a really good fit for that kind of deck. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Um, man, this next card, uh, we don't have too much to say about. It is Maddening Cacophony. It is one in a blue for a sorcery. Uh, it has kicker three in a blue. Uh, each opponent mills eight cards. If this spell was kicked, each opponent mills half their library rounded up. So where does this go? Well, with Bruvac, it's an insta-kill on all your opponents. Yep. So there you go. There you go. Uh, also notably, eight cards turns on the anti-threshold, like your opponent threshold, so... If you have any cards that care about that, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> yep. This uh, compares a lot more favorably to um, Traumatize. Traumatize also. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, moving on. The next card is Master of Winds. Two blue blue for a 1-4 Sphinx Wizard with flying. When it enters the battlefield, draw two cards, then discard a card. Whenever you cast an instant sorcery or wizard spell, you may have Master of Winds base power and toughness become 4-1 or 1-4 until end of turn. It's an interesting card. There's definitely some decks it fits into. Unesh loves this a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, because its cost gets reduced all the way down to 2, and in addition to the factor, the mini factor fiction off Unesh, you get the, the looting effect. Um, it also, because it's a wizard, has some tribal synergies there. So the wizard synergies there, same with Naban. One thing that's kind of interesting about it is rather than rather than um, the trigger switching its power and toughness, as this kind of card has been worded in the past, it just becomes 4-1 or 1-4. Yeah, I think and that's interesting. I think that they figured like switching power and toughness is so confusing because confusing it just always brings up that stuff about like, well, it's got plus 2 plus 0 from this equipment, so how big is it now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that actually, I didn't think about that. That's really funny. Um, okay, so this next card also I think it, we're going to go through real fast. This is Nimble Trap Finder. So Nimble Trap Finder is a 2-1 human rogue for one and a blue. 
Nimble Trap Finder can't be blocked if you had another cleric, rogue, warrior, or wizard enter the battlefield under your control this turn. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, creatures you control gain. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card until end of turn. So if you have a full party, uh, he's a coastal piracy for two mana. But, uh, eh, eh, yeah, eh, I don't know about that. I don't think that's extremely likely. Get, getting a full party in Commander seems pretty close to impossible. Yeah, would you, so the first ability does give him unblockable a lot of the time. Would you play him in Anwan? No. No? You think there's just too many good, better options? Yeah, like there's too many ones that just have unconditional evasion yeah. that don't need to have other creatures. Don't force me to commit more cards to the battlefield if I don't want to. Okay. No, that's great. Um. Yep. So that's pretty much it. And now we're in the black cards. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you want to read this guy off? Sure. This is Academe's Awakening. X, black, black, black for a sorcery. Return from your graveyard to the battlefield any number of target creature cards that each have a con- have a different converted mana cost, X or less. And on the back side, it's a land that as it enters the battlefield, you may pay three life. If you don't, it enters the battlefield tapped and taps for a black. Um, so this is pretty good compared to the others in its cycle. Yeah, I, I think this actually compares really favorably to most of the other like mythic land cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you are paying seven to get two creatures back, that's pretty okay. If you're paying seven to get three or more creatures back, that's great. Um, which could happen. So it's like you get a four, a three, a two, and a one drop back. And in general, if it's like really, really late game and you top deck this, like you could be getting way more than that back. And then again, it just is a land. So yeah, uh, I think this is one of my favorites of the of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with this card. I would happily swap out a swamp for this in my mono black deck. Yeah, yeah, I I would too. Okay, moving on to Marauding Blight Priest. Two and a black for a 3-2 Vampire Cleric. Whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. So there are a lot of cards that can slot into the Exquisite Blood and Sanguine Bond combo. and But this is one of the cheapest, which is notable. Like, Defiant Bloodlord costs seven mana. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you're solely trying to combo and you're not trying to, like, Beacon of Immortality, double your life total, kill somebody, then the like making your opponent lose one life is interchangeable with making them lose life equal to the amount you've gained. Yeah. And it just, they'll keep triggering each other. They'll eventually die to the triggers. And if they can't stop one, they probably aren't going to stop the hundredth one or however many it takes. Yeah. So this is another option if you're trying to go for that combo and it's really cheap. Yeah. Um, next card is Skyclave Shade. It is a 3-1 shade for one and a black. It has kicker, uh, two and a black. Uh, Skyclave shade can't block. If it was kicked, it enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters, and it has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, if this is in your graveyard and it's your turn, you may cast it from your graveyard this turn. Um, So basically you can pay two to cast it, or you can kick it for five and get, and now it's a 5-3. So um, how do you feel about this? Uh, I like it. It's definitely no blood gassed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gone are the days. Yeah. But it still compares pretty favorably with a lot of the other uh, self-recurring dorks that you see in mm-hmm. Blano Black um, with, say, like, Gravecrawler or um, 
reassembling skeleton. It's it's maybe a little bit lower than that power level, but if you're looking for um if you're looking for redundancy, I think this is fine. Yeah, I agree. Next card, Skyclave Shadow Cat. It is a three-three cat horror for three and a black. It has one and a black. Sacrifice another creature. Put a plus one plus one counter on Skyclave Shadow Cat. And then it also has whenever a creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it dies, draw a card. So, uh, yeah. So the first thing that uh, struck me when I saw this card was Nikara. So Nikara is one of the C20 commanders. Uh, she has partner with, and she she pairs with that hyena dude, Yannick Scavenger, Scavenging Sentinel. But Nikara is two and a black for a 2-2 human cleric, menace, uh, whenever another creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had one or more counters on it, you draw a card and you lose one life. If you're building the Yannick Nakara deck, or even if you're just running Nakara by yourself, this seems like pretty good redundancy for that central effect that you're trying to build around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this will eventually slot into more decks too, as they keep continuing to put like plus one plus one counter themes into uh, black or... Uh, black X lists like it seems like they have been um yeah if you're also running like a rayhan x something list this is a pretty good card yeah, for that as well that's, that's actually really true um so now we're in red uh so our first card is from the commander decks uh it is geode rager it is a four three first strike elemental it costs four and two red it has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control Goad each creature target player controls. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like I really underestimated the power of goad and how um, it kind of just shuts off negotiation. Mm-hmm. Um, this costs six, so it's like at a premium, but that can be like devastating for people where, you're, especially like if you're the person that needs to be attacked, and you're like, well, now you can't. Mm-hmm. Now you have to attack the person I want you to attack. So I actually do think this is like a cool addition to the format. And it's a great landfall trigger. Like this is a powerful enough landfall trigger for Commander. So um, I'm higher on this guy than I think I would have been uh, in the past. Just because of that reason. I agree. I also initially underestimated Goad. But... Not only like preventing yourself from being attacked, but forcing attacks and damage on other people. Like you're going to be playing Geode Ranger in the type of deck that runs Morag, yeah, and like Omnath, and just really aggressive style of landfall builds, yeah. So I, I think it's going to get a lot of value from forcing attacks elsewhere and and ensuring that damage is being dealt every turn. Yeah, and really, even if you can only get like a land drop a turn. Like making the person with the board like either scarier than yours or next to scariest from yours, like forcing them to get into someone who maybe it's like terrible for them. Maybe they just have to attack this player and it's just going to be just awful. Mm-hmm. That's that's great. So, um, yeah, I, I'm happy that they uh, are kind of mixing and matching old mechanics or not set mechanics with the new mechanics in the commander sets. I think that's really cool. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on to Nahiri's Lithoforming. This is X red red for a sorcery. Sacrifice X lands. For each land sacrificed this way, draw a card. You may play X additional lands this turn. Lands you control enter the battlefield tapped this turn. This does not seem good. Oh, yeah. This is really good in very, very specific lists. Uh, my Mina and Den list. Mm-hmm. Um, I want 
lands in the graveyard sometimes you empty your hand and like you just want like new lands you want to like uh a new hand or something like that and, and like paying two per land to bounce is like slow but it'll get you there like this just kind of shortcuts that whole process i cannot think of another place to play this other than just like morag who's maybe wants to like have a big turn and get like a bunch of combat second main mm-hmm. that was the only other place that i was like okay i would play this here not sure where to go other than that <laughs> yeah the the only two situations like okay it's pretty you've got about a 40% hit rate off of like cards on off the top of your library being lands. Yep, yep. So you're almost certainly going to go down on lands when you cast this card. Yes, yeah, for sure. So the only situations where I'd really want to run it is like a uh I'm going to win this turn and this is like a red brain geyser. Yeah. <laughs> or B, I have some way to cheat the fact that I'm going way down on lands. Like if I also have a splendid reclamation yeah. or a faith's reward or a second sunrise, something to make it so that I don't just sacrifice 10 lands and get four and pass the turn. Yeah, I'm going to start thinking about decks where I run second sunrise now. Yeah, that this is interesting. So I'm definitely going to research into this card because I, I love doing things that look like terrible on the surface. Like I specifically trying to make decks that do that so i saw nahiri's litho man uh, litho forming and was like oh yeah give me some of that knowing i'm not going to put it in any list that i have right now except for the one that i mentioned mm-hmm. uh the next card is ancient green warden for gg for a five seven elemental with reach you may play land cards from your graveyard and if a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger that ability triggers an additional time. So <laughs> I, I think there are some people that are really high on this card and I mm-hmm. just want to douse that enthusiasm a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there are not that many good landfall cards. They've yeah. added a lot in Zendikar Rising, but yeah. it's still a pretty small number. And the good ones are like spread across all five colors not all of them necessarily go into a landfall deck. So for example, like Bloodgast, yeah, it's a good card with landfall, but it's not like a landfall deck card. And same with Evolution Sage is more of a proliferate deck Salakar rather than a landfall card. You know, in say like a Windgrace deck, there's like maybe 13 like really good landfall cards you're excited to double. Um, maybe about the same number in Tatiova or Gitrog. But... I just that, that's not a huge amount in a 100 card deck that's like you are likely to draw one of those in the first you know five turns of a game something like that yeah so I, I just don't think that the landfall doubling ability is where a lot of this card's value lies no I, yeah I, I can totally see that I think wizards has gotten pretty good at like the um they're really good at printing green cards that just make people lose their mind when they see them. Cause like the text box like says something crazy mm-hmm. or that would have been crazy in like 2010, but we've come so much farther. <laughs> like most of the power of this card comes from that first, like actual ability the you may play lands from your graveyard and that, that costs three mana. Yeah. We have a garden green that does that. Mm-hmm. It's a snake. It's a cool little snake and he looks great and he'll help you out. Uh, and there's also just like Crucible of Worlds, which costs three mana and like does a lot of this for you. So that second ability, the doubling of the lands thing, like 
I think that's more of a standard precaution that this is at six mana. Mm-hmm. It's kind of my guess because it does look so good. Like you look at this, like the first time I saw this card, I was like, oh yeah, value and all this stuff. And then exactly like you said, it was like, oh, well, where am I putting this? Yeah. Like, and, okay. and just like paying six mana for this effect is so underwhelming compared to paying three because like being able to like, okay, I've got a fetch land and a crucible in my opening hand. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of cards I'm going to start drawing very early in the game. Yeah. Whereas with this guy, like you still have to make six land drops before you can start getting that value. And like a value engine that starts on turn three is just going to draw you way more cards over the course of a game than a value engine that starts on turn six. Yeah. So you really like would have to be doubling up on those triggers. Like, and there's very few, like you said, that are like that impactful. It's like Omnath 2.0, you're like, boom 10 power for my land drop or like something crazy like mm-hmm. that and there there's like you said a handful so um when it's good you'll remember it yeah all right the next card is Orin reef ooze two and a green for a two two ooze when it enters the battlefield put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control whenever it attacks put a plus and plus one counter on each attacking creature with a plus one plus one counter on it i mean if you have a plus one plus one counter list I would be interested in running this. This seems like a lot of value over the course of a game. I have in the past put Fangren Firstborn into plus and plus one counter lists. Mm-hmm. And this is much better than that. Yeah, I totally agree. As someone who's like tried to do some variations on plus one plus one counter, I saw this card and was like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's three. three. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Pretty good rate. Yeah. Okay. This next one is... I, is, I have already seen this in action, and it has been crazy. Yeah, this is great. So this is Scoot Swarm, a 1-1 insect for 2 and a green. It has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 green insect creature token. If you control 6 or more lands, create a token that's a copy of Scoot Swarm instead. So, um, th- uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's exponential bugs. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bugs. Yeah. So in the one game I have seen it played so far, they made four land drops, so they were up to 16. Somebody attacked them with a 15 power trampler, so they lost 15 of them, down to one. And then on the next turn, they made another four land drops and were back up to 16. And then like the turn after that, they had 64. Yeah. So it grows really, really, really fast. Mm. Uh, it's... I'm I'm inclined to say it's it's the, the best, best landfall trigger landfall token generator for sure. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. yeah, for sure, I would agree with that. I think that uh, the fact that it's three mana means that like you can get started earlier than Omnath or or uh, what's the other about Balos the rampaging yeah. Balos. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the fact that like when you hit the same mana that those cards typically are like six seven mana it just explodes it's it's yeah it's incredible it explodes like crazy and uh i i'm was excited when i saw this card and i'm excited to play with it and i i'm gonna i'm gonna play with this card forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is so cool and uh it's just gonna be so many one ones yeah so many um also something i'm gonna do this is a very casual thing if you mutate onto it uh oh you it, get copies. You get copies of that. So if you like Archipelagor onto your Scoot Swarm and then play a fetch, you get so many seven seven bugs. Very, very casual thing to do, but it that's cool. I'm I'm gonna do that. 
now we are into multicolor. All right, the first multicolor card is Soaring Thought Thief. It is blue-black for a 1-3 human rogue with flash and flying. As long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, rogues you control get plus and plus O. And whenever one or more rogues you control attack, each opponent mills two cards. So this is a very, very easy inclusion in Anawan. One thing that's kind of notable is it pumps itself with that uh, rogue pumping ability. Yeah, they've been like straying away from that for a while, so it's interesting to see it. Yeah, but uh, cool card. Like your deck is already happy to run two mana rogues with flying, and this one has a lot of upside on top of that. Yeah, really cool. Uh, next card is Cargan Warleader. One red-white for a 3-3 human warrior. Other warriors you control get plus one plus one. I think if you're running Najila, this is a pretty... Pretty yep. easy inclusion. Yeah, that's more at this point. This is the only place I would really play this card. Yeah, but the rate right. the rate is not amazing. Like we're these days, we're more used to like two cost lords that pump, and even then, it's like, yeah. But Najila just has so many warriors that get this effect. It's pretty yeah, just substantial boost way faster. Yep. All right. Next is Forsaken Monument. Five mana for a legendary artifact. Colorless creatures you control get plus two plus two. Whenever you tap a permanent for C, add an additional C, and whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. How do you feel about this? Yeah, so I uh, I like that they're throwing bones to colorless lists. Mm-hmm. It's cool that they're printing cards that are really good in colorless lists. This also is good in certain non-colorless lists, namely like decks that make artifact tokens or typical like uh, decks that play with artifacts. So I'm thinking like uh, P and Kieran... Uh, you're going to be running a lot of artifacts. You're going to uh, be like flickering them, making a lot of thopters. Having three three thopters is a lot better than having two two thopters. Your mana is going to be a lot better. Um, and I don't think a single deck cares about the life, but you are gaining life when you play these artifacts. Um, it's good in Psy Master Thopterist. It's good in Dalikos. Like Dalikos taps for three now, and most Dalikos lists I've kind of seen, like looking into it, make tokens. So the tokens get huge. And yeah, that's kind of... Those are the places I would look to play this guy. It's just a, if you're making a lot of colorless mana and you're making a lot of thopters or servos or something, or spirits, if you're somehow doing Kamigawa stuff, (laughs) then uh, yeah, this is something that would include really easily. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, we see some sort of... I mean, okay, I I love that this is a boon for colorless decks. Um, The only... and it does have combo potential that's worth noting like if you have basalt monolith and this then you get infinite colorless mana yeah so there's something there i mean it's cool that it's like a gauntlet of power sort of for those colorless lists i just wish that the like colorless buff was more useful to colorless decks oh yes because most of the colorless commanders these days are just about i play a bunch of mana rocks and i ramp into a legendary eldrazi and like Plus two, plus two doesn't matter that how mat doesn't matter that much on a ten ten or a twelve twelve. Yeah, exactly. I think the best part about this card is the mana generation. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the fact that it's like a gauntlet of might for a colorless list, which you can't couldn't really do mm-hmm. before. It just was not possible. So it's five mana. It makes your wastes. It makes your mana rocks. It makes everything tap for an additional mana. Uh, and then it's also this weird pseudo buff. Like the the mana is the exciting part there. Like you're just gonna explode um even though those decks already 
exploded yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we see some sort of like people have been begging for an Eldrazi commander for yeah. years. I'm hoping that we see that at some point so that you can use all the like devoid cards from Battle for Zendikar and like this will be good and you put in your spawns and uh, and whatnot all those yeah. all those little guys. Uh, but it's a very cool card and I'm happy to see effects like this. Yeah, I agree. All right, this next one. Uh, I've got a hot take on it. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to read it and then you can get into it? Sure. So this is Lithoform Engine, a four mana legendary artifact. It has three abilities. The first one is two tap copy target activated or triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Three tap copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. And four tap copy target permanent spell you control the copy becomes a token um so just notable for nick talks that is the first time they've used that technology and that in and of itself excites me but uh do you want to get into the card actually right now yeah so i think they are using the sexiness of that new technology to gloss over the fact that that is like a serious uh nerf compared to if it was just copy yeah. a permanent. Yes, yeah. So in order to like get your first activation, you're investing four mana to cast it, four mana to activate, and you have to be like playing the spell this turn. So you're, you're investing eight mana. In order to recoup that investment, you'd have to be casting an eight mana spell on top of that. So in a single turn, you need 12 mana to play, this, play the creature or play the permanent, whatever, and activate this thing. And... That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and even if you're like trying to break it up over multiple turns, you have to figure like, okay, what is the total mana spent on active on playing and activating the, this thing versus the like amount of value I am getting back. So yeah, you could play this and then like play a six drop and activate it. And then next turn play a six drop and activate it. You've spent 12 mana. You've gotten 12 mana worth of card, but still that requires you to be like, spending 10 mana in a single turn you can't break it up yeah yeah it's a lot it's it's a lot um and if you're spending like eight and six mana on these things like i don't know aren't you winning yeah are you winning already yeah no i i do agree with you i think people are going to play this more for that first ability and the other two abilities are going to be like every now and then they use it because there is only one copy of strionic resonator right now yeah so like there's there's very few um things that copy triggered abilities so that's where i'm assuming we're going to see this the most because i assume what's going to happen is exactly what you said people are going to play this they're going to look at it they're going to go like "Ooh, cool that's new and exciting and then they're going to use it and go like wow i don't like this <laughs> wow i spent most of my mana on several turns yeah, mm, yeah. To, to get not quite worth yeah yeah to get it, kind of ripped off exactly because this is um it's it's a little bit of a rip off yeah that's you you are kind of uh losing out on a bunch of tempo doing something like this yeah among the among the mythic legendary artifacts in this set i would say it's the worst yeah. <laughs> a bold claim mm. um but yeah so that's that's it uh they I kind of mentioned with uh, our serpent friend, the the Simic serpent friend up above, but this is new technology that it's using. Uh, I think they are hiding behind that in this instance to make it look like real sexy and cool. But um, I'm excited 
what they do with this in the future. Because mm. uh, for, I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I'm like, it's a creature. Why can't I copy this creature yeah. show? Like, I don't understand. Like, to me, it made sense. So now I'm happy to see that they're like, okay, we think people get this. Yeah. I mean, it, Timmy, who like has tried to copy his 7-7 seven, seven yeah. in the past and gotten it Doombladed in response, is going to be really excited that, you know, he his opponent can't Doomblade it while it's on the stack. They yeah. have to spend their counter spell instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it kind of in a similar vein, this next guy, uh, I feel like is more underwhelming when you think about him. Mm -hmm. Um, so this next colorless card is Myriad Construct, a four mana four, four. It has kicker three. If Myriad Construct was kicked, it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each non-basic land your opponents control. Woo. When Myriad Construct becomes the target of a spell, sacrifice it and create a number of 1-1 one, one colorless construct artifact creature tokens equal to its power. That is such a mouthful. So, it, it's not when it dies. Mm -hmm. You have to target it. Yeah. You, have to you can't just jam this into a list. Mm -hmm. So you have to target it with a spell. But it's going to be huge. Yeah. So, the thing is, like the fact that you're opponents can pop it with any spell means that you don't really have control a lot of control yeah. over what it's going to be yeah exactly. and there aren't a lot of decks that like want to go tall and want to go wide um so like okay this thing's an enormous vanilla guy maybe you put it in xenagos and then your opponent like spends a disenchant or a nature's claim and your xenagos doesn't know what to do with all these constructs yeah yeah exactly it's xenagos is like oh Who's going to pick these up? Yeah. And then your, your Jorkadine deck loves artifact tokens, but it's uh, really going to be difficult to, to pop it. I, I mean, there are things you could do like by force, shattering spree, fiery confluence, like multi-target um, artifact removal spells, but there's not that many of those. And yeah. that's like the only way this thing will do what you want to do. Yeah. I'm going to look to see what multi-target spells exist for lists i kind of would want to run this in because they're lists where either i'm looking to get all the tokens out of it or i'm looking I like i don't care that it's a big guy that turns into tokens something like that mm -hmm. so i'm gonna do a little bit more like looking into this um I haven't i it just kind of once i realized that it was a spell i kind of stopped caring because it seems like a little bit more like worth squeeze. Than it's worth exactly yeah. yeah the juice is not worth the squeeze mm -hmm. so there you go. That's this guy. We have a few more cards and then we'll kind of do uh, an overview slash our predictions. Okay. Uh, so next is Relic Golem. It is three mana for a 6-6 six, six artifact creature golem. Uh, it has two tap. Target player mills two cards. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's that's pretty much it. Um, oh, wait. One last ability. Uh, it can't attack or block unless an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't think you're going to be attacking with this guy no. there are a couple decks that are interested in just having like huge fat for cheap um i'm thinking i'm thinking like gore claw because mm -hmm. with a gore claw out this is just a one mana six six um that's kind of interesting also like the reverse threshold is not that difficult to get in commander yeah yeah that kind of a lot of people just do that on their own a lot of the time mm-hmm um, but yeah, Goreclaw, if you're in a, if you have a Goreclaw build that is like comboing off and trying to cast a bunch of creatures for super cheap, uh, this is, this, it will meet those criteria. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Naeth is another commander that could potentially be interested in this because um, it's just a body that can fight well. Yeah. I think these uh, Naeth is probably the first place I try to play this. And I think if does Phoenix care that it's a three mana six six? No. Well, I mean, you've got like wall of junk. You've got yeah. access to stuff like that. Yeah, true. Um, so yeah, uh, last card is Skyclave Relic. It is a three mana artifact. It has kicker three. It is indestructible. When Skyclave Relic enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create two tapped tokens that are copies of Skyclave Relic. So um, what does it do? You might ask. It taps for one mana of any color. I was going to say it doesn't do anything, but that mm-hmm. wouldn't be funny. Uh, it's just three dark steel objects uh, just for three mana. Yep. Six mana. No, but yeah. So for three mana, it is a uh, dark steel ingot. And for six mana, it's three dark steel ingots. Um, yeah. How do you feel about this? Well, I think the format has definitely moved away from Dark Steel Ingot. Yes. But I could see running this in Verizol. Mm-hmm. Because, Our little serpent friend. Yeah, because when you copy it, like making three Dark Steel Ingots for six is not that sexy. Making six Dark Steel Ingots for six. Okay. That's a lot. That's a big game. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I'm, uh, I would be inclined to run in, in that list. You're, I mean, honestly, there aren't that many contenders for awesome blue green kicker cards and this one's pretty good yeah no i agree um there this also like is six mana for three mana of any denomination of colors you choose so like if your deck i I can't think of like decks that would want that but this fixes your mana real good for three for six mana Mm -hmm. um where like i don't know if i'd ever really cast it for three unless i was like desperate yeah like super despy but um yeah i think that's the best place for now we'll see what happens with this probably gets put in your trade binder hmm. <laughs> okay uh so we're gonna briefly cover like our thoughts on the the evolution of the precons, and then we'll go into our predictions so when they first announced these endicar precons and the fact that they were only going to have three new cards they were going to be a lower price point going to be vast majority reprints 97 reprints per deck um, I was expecting that there would be three, those three new cards would be three legendary creatures yeah. as they have done in the past. And the the fact that it's just one is surprising, but I think there's pros and cons um, of that. So a, a pro is that the decks are way more focused now. Yeah. They're not legitimately like crazy focused. Yeah. They're not trying to do three things poorly anymore. They're really just like, this is the rogue deck. You're any Pretty much every card you expected to be in the rogue deck is in there. Yeah. Um, so I I like that. It's definitely like more playable out of the box. A uh, potential downside there is that they are, if you're trying to upgrade them, there's not as much, there's not as many places to do that. If you're like really, if you want to give someone the experience of upgrading and tinkering with a commander deck, there's not a whole lot of direction to go. Like I would add Thada Adele. I would add some of the cards from Zendikar Rising that aren't in there and like knowledge exploitation, sure, but there's not an enormous change you need yeah. to make to make the deck like how I would build it from zero. Yeah, they they did a good job of putting a lot of the evasive, like cheap rogues in the list. Mm-hmm. And also like the rogue tribal effects, the really good ones like Stink Drinker Bandit. Well, and they put Notorious Throng in there. They put Notorious Throng in yeah. there. Yeah, and they put um, Una's Blackguard, like the... Yeah that's the triumvirate right there yeah <laughs> um so less room to to modify and uh 
also i think that there were just some easy opportunities the problem is when you have three commanders you can give everyone a little bit of flavor you got a neapolitan going on so if you don't like the face guy okay get the heck out of here gear red uh marisi's my man yeah and with this if you don't like the execution of like this landfall commander with obun mm, whoops then don't buy the deck yep yeah and you don't buy it um and and they are so like there isn't really msrp most places seem to be selling them for about 20 bucks um so that is a drastic decrease from the regular commander decks which are about double Mm -hmm. typically double that price that being said like they are really focused i think this is a lot better of an entry point for new players if they keep doing this with the set release like these were meant to like replace the planeswalker decks um and do what they're doing with like anwan where like they're really keying into like what the set like a mechanic in the set putting something out there that didn't exist letting you play with a lot of these cards that you couldn't really play with before like i i'm happy to kind of give up some of the uh the equity as if they're like actually supporting yeah the format in a good way i, d- I definitely want to take take everything take all my criticisms with a grain of salt because yeah. this is an enormous improvement over planeswalker decks that are like <laughs> yes. straight from opening to garbage can yeah you take One- your free pack and your like download code and yeah go to arena <laughs> yep uh so this is a huge improvement i i like them a lot better than what we had previously um the value is is pretty good for mm-hmm. compared to like when you're not having to make up forty dollars worth of value it's easy a lot easier for those like two and three dollar cards to get you there yeah i think in the landfall deck there's only like three cards that are worth more than like 250 mm-hmm. but that's that is most of the msrp right there because like your arcane signet six dollars yeah. and your <laughs> uh, admonition angel is whatever like you can make it up yeah so it, it these are really about like the experience and I'm really into that. I'm really happy about that. And I hope that we see more like this. Yeah. Um, just kind of focused one commander, some cool cards printed in it. So now the predictions. So um, before we get into our predictions for Zendikar, which <laughs> I think we have a word to say on that. Let's, do you want to go over what our last predictions were from M21? Yes. Uh, yes. So last time we had with us charlotte sable cag member and so we're gonna go over my predictions Zach's predictions and her predictions and just see how we scored so the we were looking at the adoption rate uh of these cards as according to the data on edh rec so the cards that saw play in the highest number of decks uh this many months after the set was introduced yeah so uh really the biggest notable difference is that sanctum of all was like by and large on edhrec the a quote most adopted card but it was only played in like 700 decks yeah their reckoning is like out of the decks that could run it what percentage have adopted it yeah and so it was like it was 26 percent adoption rate in 700 decks. yeah <laughs> so it's like okay that's not actually like 26 is a big percentage but like 700 it's yeah. not that much so we're just we're just looking at pure numbers here Okay, so number one most adopted card is Garrix Uprising, the uh, four, four power reward slash trample granter. Um, Teferi's Ageless Insight, the draw doubler. Teferi, Master of Time, the marquee planeswalker. Fiery Emancipation, the damage tripler. Chromatic Orrery, the <laughs> the biggest mana rock ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mangara, the diplomat, the white draw engine. 
Terror of the Peaks, the uh, what is it? Warstorm Surge on legs, mm-hmm. on wings, on wings. Yeah, Vito, the Sanguine Bond Commander, um, Sublime Epiphany, uh, the. It do, it's the the thing that blue, does everything blue spell yeah just yeah every, swiss the army knife yeah yeah uh and then village writes the uh thing the 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 cheaper skull tap yep. there you go yep black instant psychic creature draw two mm-hmm. um so uh nick had a really high hit rate so did charlotte um mm-hmm. so i got seven out of my 10 guesses ended up being in the actual top 10 mm-hmm. uh i the let's talk about the misses well the hits were i got mangara terror of the peaks garak's uprising teferi's ageless insight sublime epiphany fiery emancipation and veto my misses were soul seer the three mana instant that deals five damage to a um, planeswalker or creature uh conspicuous snoop the goblin tribal combo piece and sanctum of all the yeah the yeah, the, the- the card that will definitely go into any Honden deck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Sanctum, I thought there would be more Honden decks built. That was kind of like my wild guess. Cause yeah. honestly, I don't, I don't understand the Honden love, but I see it. Yeah. And so I assumed, okay, a bunch of people will probably try to build Hondens. Um, that one, and that one, like, by some metrics was the number one card in the set, but not by the metric we normally use for these predictions. Yeah, exactly. Um, Conspicuous Snoop really surprised me because it's like so brain dead obvious and there are so many goddamn goblin decks. Yeah, I just figured it would just go into... Because all three of us picked it. Yeah. And all three of us were wrong on it. <laughs> yeah. So really surprising there. Yeah, not. I'm, I'm guessing that it wasn't enough to get people to update their decks. Cause that's really what feeds into this data is the decks that are updated, uh, on like any of the, on like architect or any of the databases that they're pulling from. Yeah. Yeah. So soul yeah. I think what happened there was like, if you have access to white or blue or black, then you just have access to way more efficient removal. Soul yeah. only really matters for like mono red and red green. So yeah. that, really cuts down on the number of decks that are likely to adopt it. Mm-hmm. Um, my misses were I hit Mangara, Teferi's Ageless Insight, Teferi, Terror of the Peaks, Sublime Epiphany, and Fire Emancipation. I overestimated how excited people would be about dogs. I had said Pack Leader. I overestimated people's excitement for goblins because I put Brash Taunter and Conspicuous Snoop. And then I had Bazro's Lieutenant, which like enters, puts counters on things, things with counters, uh, die and make a token. So... Um, I just figured there'd be more love for plus one plus one counter creatures. Um, I was wrong. That's fine. Um, well, that's that seems like another seed for the plus one plus one counter deck. I, mm-hmm. I I'm really hoping we see something in Commander Legends. Basri may have his day. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like I I'd seen it with Basri. We're seeing it again in Zendikar. There's like a, there's the white cleric we didn't talk about. It's a one one for two. Puts a plus one plus one counter on a creature at the beginning of your combat. There's like some other creatures the in the ooze. set. Yeah. The ooze. There's like commons and uncommons that deal with plus one plus one counters, but we still don't have 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 the the, the right leader. Mm-hmm. We don't have the right commander. So I just figured we would by this point, or and or the ones that exist would adopt it, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. So kind of same thing with conspicuous snoop and brash taunter. I figured stuffy doll. I don't think it sees heavy adoption. 
I'm waiting for that page to load. Oh yeah, it does not see heavy adoption. I just uh, overestimated how much people love Steffi Doll. Mm. I think that was the big thing. It was a goblin, and I overestimated people's uh, opinion of Steffi Doll. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Charlotte uh, got Mangara, Fiery Emancipation, Teferi's Angel's Insight, Terror of the Peaks, Sublime Epiphany, Garak's Uprising, and Chromatic Orrery. Um, and I mean, she can't fight for herself, but she had also said Conspicuous Snoop, Peer into the Abyss and Arcfiend's Vessel, um, both of which are like cool techie black cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was kind of, th- I, I would guess that she was like, oh, these are really cool black cards. Like I assume people would play with them because they 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 do interesting things. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to like, uh, I mean, I think we did well. We had a pretty good hit rate this yeah. time. Yeah, like, that was great. S- six and sevens. Um, I think that, M21 was like an e- a relatively easy set yes. to yeah. guess what was going to see play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can also like briefly touch on the things we missed and why we missed them. Like Teferi Master of Time, I just figured Chase Mythic is going to be too expensive oh, to show yeah. up in a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. Chromatic Orrery, I uh, just underestimated. I mean, it costs seven mana. Oh, I, yeah. I underestimated how much play it would see as a result. So it costs seven mana, doesn't win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Village writes that was that was out of left field I yeah mean, I, I was like oh cool this is the best version of this we'd seen and i think that's literally what i said on the podcast mm-hmm. and then uh i was like huh like didn't think more of it and i should have question mark i don't know yeah i had a left field for me my big one is that I, I i think again i think this might be the second time listeners might be i don't know you can correct me uh i overlooked legendary creatures mm-hmm. so i was like oh yeah veto powerful haha and mm. then like didn't think to include him kind of um but i think a lot of the cards were just kind of like like i hit teferi because i'm like he just looks really sexy teferi's ageless insight people love all harm it's archive uh garrick's uprising we all picked because like it's just a better version of a card that people already play with mm-hmm. mingar is the first one to do that like the first real powerful white card draw spell so obviously like people are going to try it um sublime epiphany was like again it combos it does everything you need whatever so uh, really i missed on like uh i think the one we all did village rights and like some of the things that are obviously sexy and i just it was ignoring i was like la 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 veto la 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 chromatic ori big thing haha yeah so as something to take in except we can't necessarily this time i think that's a good segue yeah m21 was very normal magic zeneca rising is not yeah, so I don't, I have no clue um, how correct I'm going to be this time. I'm kind of just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, we, we've mentioned this before, but um, it's really hard. I, I mean, so many of these l- cards that are like spells on the front, lands on the back, just should go into decks. Yeah. They're, it's just correct to run them in a lot of decks. But, you know... I don't know if a lot of players are going to see that or like see how just how good they are, especially yeah. like a lot of casual players. So it's going to look like a very marginal upgrade or not even an upgrade. Like it enters the battlefield tapped or I have to pay three life. I so I worry. So so I'm I'm taking a really conservative route and like grossly underestimating what I actually think the changes should be, what yeah. the most adopted cards should be. And I'm just going to go by like, uh, like 
based on status quo based on rather than like this is a new thing i don't think everyone is going to evaluate it correctly Mm -hmm. yeah because i i was really tempted to put like agadim's awakening in my top 10 list but like also at the same time like i don't know if all the black decks are gonna just slot it in like most black decks especially mono black like should Mm -hmm. like most blue black lists like probably should like red black like you probably should Mm -hmm. but like i don't know if they will so i'm gonna just uh resign to being wrong about it if it comes to that okay so with with that caveat out of the way that we could be very wrong on this yeah (laughs) that i'm definitely being conservative i don't know about your picks um but what are your top 10 yeah so my number one is demon's disciple and i'm saying this simply for numbers wise a uh, flesh bag marauder is basically the same card but it's a zombie warrior it's a three mana three one when it enters each player sacks a creature um and part of the reason why flesh bag is so highly adopted even though there's so many of them now is the creature types and i just think that demon's disciple being a human cleric that's relevant creature types it does a very similar thing it's going to be played in all these cleric lists with aura uh with um demon man uh new demon we got the three mana one uh who i'm missing on his name and you all can yell at me on your speaker car speaker headphones whatever <laughs> um but i i think just numbers wise this guy's gonna see a lot of play so that's my number one uh, my number two is vastwood surge i i said you were a dingus if you still are playing explosive vegetation in your list and then i uh went and played one of my lists and it had an explosive vegetation in it <laughs> so i'm a big old dingus but really i should be changing it into vastwood surge it's just better yeah period uh, my number three is Morog, uh, the Minotaur that gives you extra combats because that's a lot. He just does so much for so many lists. Um, and there's a lot of landfall decks out there and there's going to be even more when yeah. the set hits the pavement. Exactly. And, and at bare minimum, just like any red aggro list, like it's he's a big guy so you don't lower your like creature count and then also he buffs your guys and also he gives you extra yeah, combat. Yeah, just immediate value the turn you cast him. Yeah, so he does a lot for you um, if you're just in an aggressive strategy. And then uh, it kind of leads to my my next one, which is Scoot Swarm. I just think any of the good landfall triggers are going to be played, mm-hmm. just kind of period. Um, and I'm going a little bit more, I guess I'm a little bit, I don't know, I'll let you pick at home uh, if I'm more or less conservative than Nick is because I just I think I would have just put all the good landfall triggers, but I'm not doing that this time. Um, Scoot Swarm, I think, is just so good, so I'm putting it here. Skyclave Apparition, it's just a white staple. It's so good. It mm-hmm. hits so many problem childs. Uh, it hits uh, all the these ma- busted mana rocks. It hits busted commanders. It hits uh, any, like, removal spells. If your commander's been... Uh, a dark steel mutation. He's got you. If if, if there's a, a, a you weird... got thrown in a dungeon. Yeah, yeah. you're you're out, bro. Get in here. That's you got what... shot to the moon. Boom. Yeah, there you go. Skyclave apparition. He's here. He's got your back. And then they kill him. They get a what? A little three three illusion. Dumb. Mm. No one cares. <laughs> um. So next card is Balagad recovery. This is the one flip land that I'm like. I think people are just going to run this because this one, it's really easy to see how good it is. The other ones, like, you probably should run even though it's marginal. This one, I think people will just... Period. This is the recollect, right? Yeah, this is the recollect uh, one. So I'm, I'm expecting that. Valakut Exploration. Again, it's a, it's a landfall trigger. It's in red, which drastically needs better cards. 
Uh, and it does a lot. It not only does it deal damage, so it could be like a combo win if you can just like have a bunch of lands enter the battlefield in one turn. Uh, it lets you play those cards if you want to. Um, and then if you don't, if you can't, it just goes to your graveyard. So there's like almost no cost to doing this. It's like, it's crazy. It's great. Um, Ancient Green Warden is on the list simply because I think people are going to put it in lists because it looks really sexy. They're mm-hmm. like, oh man, come over here. Get over here, baby. Because um, it looks really good, but I think it's going to play not as good as people want. Um, Lithoform Engine, again, I'm putting on the list because it looks really good. And I do think that Stronic Resonator being the only card that does that uh, is a problem for some lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my last card is Felidar Retreat because it has so many hooks. Hmm. And that's not a core uh, joke, a core reference. Ah. But yeah, so that's my top 10. Uh, I'll see how wrong I am in three months. I think that's, I really like your rationale on Green Warden and Lithoform Engine. And I think you're definitely helped by the fact that the next time we, oh, actually, the next time we do this isn't for, until Kaldheim because we don't usually, oh, yeah. Or do we do, we, we do predictions? We're going to do predictions for Commander Legends, right? Uh, we could. We could. Normally do we just do standard. Yeah, releases. we just do the standard releases, but we could try. Okay. So I guess that, let's, let's say we will do predictions for. Oh God, that's, that's only get... like um, two months or something. Yeah, yeah. So is that enough time for people to like put the card in their deck, try it, and let's, realize it's bad? Let's just do Kaldheim. I think that's a good one because the Kaldheim spoilers start in like January. Yeah. So that's a, I think that's enough. Okay. Time for it. Yeah. All right. Um, my predictions. Mm, I'm not going to spend too much time on the ones that we already. I was. Yeah. About, yeah. I'll just say like. Number one, Skyclave Apparition. Yeah. Of the 120 most played permanents in Commander, all but 23 of them get hit by the Apparition. Or rather, most played non-land permanents. So just really cheap, versatile removal. Great. It's great. Yep. Uh, Two, Demon's Disciple. I agree with you. Basswood Surge. I agree with you. Number four, Feed the Swarm. This is the uh, one to black for a sorcery, destroy target, artifact oh, or yeah. destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls yeah. you lose life equal to its converted mana cost i just think there and, and maybe i'm gonna get burned here because this could have the same problem as like soul seer mm-hmm. whereas it's really really important to a narrow group of color identities i would not be surprised if this was one of the ones that hit just because it's the only version of this mm-hmm. where soul seer there is more options uh they're just less efficient yeah Yeah. they're just less efficient uh this this is like kind of if you want to be a mono black or like a rakdos list like you don't have other options Mm -hmm. so i I could definitely see this being a thing we'll see it is definitely not sexy which (laughs) is a problem for it um number five scoot swarm i i agree with you it's so good uh, number six, Balagad Recovery. I agree with you. Number seven, Velikut Awakening, which is the, uh, it's a little tap land on one side. Other side is put any number of cards from your hand on the bottom of your library and draw that many plus one. Mm-hmm. So just going off of like Thrill of Possibility, Tormenting Voice, see a lot of play. This is, you know, instant speed, can ditch as many cards as you want. Uh, and it's never bad because yep. even if you have like seven cards of perfectly sculpted magic the gathering uh and you top deck this it's like okay well land drop yeah easy it's, it's great number eight they look at exploration i agree with you um number nine phylath world sculptor 
So even though this is a uh, a multicolored card, it just looks so much like Avenger of Zendikar. I think people are going to slam it. And a lot of these landfall decks are multicolored. You know, we're going to be seeing Omnathless. We're going to be seeing Oboon lists. There's also, I mean, there's Windgrace. There's uh, Omnath 2.0. There's just so many decks, landfall decks that can easily put this in. And it, it looks good. Yeah. And then finally, number 10, uh, this is the one I'm least confident about, Hagramalling. So this is the the two black black instant destroy target creature, costs one less if an opponent has no basic lands, and it's a tap land on the other side. Um, Murder, surprisingly, sees play in 12,000 decks on EDH rec. Uh, I think, and but I mean, this is like comparable. It is. I think it's, I think, uh, it is i'm gonna say it's as good as murder because it's a land yeah too. yeah I, I i think it's better than murder i think this is another one that's like really easy you should run this it's just going to it's a tapped swamp it doesn't count for coffers sorry but yeah. the the utility on it is so good so this is one of this is one of those like it is correct to put this in your deck yeah and and i i think after seeing your things i think you are a, i'm a little bit more conservative than you are i really took that uh that ori that dang chromatic ori, chromatic ori. you took that hit hard yeah so i'm putting them sexy looking mythics up there but <laughs> but uh i think you are going a little bit more of the value route here and i applaud you for that because i did also think about putting valakut's awakening in my list because i'm gonna play with it mm-hmm. that looks great i love getting rid of my bad red cards and maybe drawing better ones Mm-hmm. Um, same with Hagra Mauling. Like that's just better mm-hmm. most of the time. It's just seeing. It's just a free removal spell in your deck. Yeah, and so now it's just going to be seeing who adopts them. Did they do the balance on like how sexy it looks versus how good it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it going to be conventional wisdom takes over and people start playing in their list no matter what? We'll find out. Yeah, I mean if we're if if we're gonna wait till coldheim then i'm hoping that the the word will spread word of mouth will get these guys there but we'll see yep but uh that is it that is our zendikar set review set review uh you made it with us till the end uh thank you and uh yeah we hope you'll be with us next time to see if we were right or not (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah looking forward to to seeing how this turns out before we end, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, Brandon, Eamon, Kevin, Kaidel, and Jeremy. Thank you for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to do a lot of research. Uh, uh, honestly, yes, though. Like, Thank <laughs> you guys so much because this is um, a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of information just kind of being thrown at us all at once so thank you yeah i hope you uh, enjoyed this review and we'll talk to you guys next time if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on soundcloud until next time we're going back to the drawing board